A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey friends, have you noticed that no matter how much yoga we do, we still may struggle in our intimate relationships? Yoga can and does help, but at a certain point, you need more relational practices and support from trusted allies. My husband and I have a wonderful marriage, but we're not necessarily the best relationship teachers. In episode 315, I brought on the founders of the Relationship School, Jason and Ellen. They live and breathe all things relational, boundaries, conflict, owning your needs, attachment styles, and so much more. If you want to learn how to work through conflict better and communicate better, Jason is offering 50% off his Indestructible Partnerships course. Thousands of people have changed their relationships for the better with this course. Go to relationshipschool slash Laura and use the coupon code Laura to get 50% off this life-changing course. Now back to the podcast. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you all ask the questions and we answer. I am joined by my amazing physical therapist, senior lit teacher, co-host, Kristen Williams. Hey, Laura. Hey, everybody. Hey, so we have a lot of questions. We'll get to as many as we can. The first one is from Amy Ogg. She asked, my thumb tendon is sore from handstanding. Is this normal or is the hand positioned badly? I think that's a pretty common area that people can feel an injury or feel achy in their thumb. So my first gut instinct without looking at it would be, yes, there's something you're doing that you're positioning that thumb, especially the metacarpocarpal joint, which is the bottom of the thumb that kind of meets the palm, that you might either be overly spreading the hand or underly spreading it and kind of having it too close. You might also be weight-bearing and lifting off into your handstand and you aren't having a symmetrical weight bearing on through the wrist joint. So if the wrist, like a lot of people tend to roll toward their pinky and that puts your thumb in a not great position either. So I always tell people like, try and push through the second root finger. That is direct line to a neutral wrist and that should help the thumb. But I would, I would rub it, I would stretch it. And then I would really focus on your quadruped and plank and looking at what's happening when you start bringing the shoulder over the wrist. I don't know if you have anything else. No, I, I agree with you. I would also look at you know how wide are her hands. If she's a little too wide, is she putting 
more weight through that kind of radial side because of just the center of gravity coming down. So I would look at how wide her hands are. You know, I've modeled my hands after watching you handstand. I do like the tree frog a little bit, which I think spreads it nicely. And then also when we're looking at thumbs, we got to look at other things to handstand might be aggravating it, but texting, typing. Um, so make sure you're taking care of yourself there as well. And doing to your point, mobilize, rub it, traction it, and you can really do some great self-care when it comes to uh, hands, well, really our whole body, but especially hands. But yes, look at your alignment, hand placement. and But that's a really good point that I talk about a lot called iPhoneitis, mm-hmm. where you are scrolling with that thumb, you're typing with that thumb, you're holding with that thumb. And it's amazing that we have that dexterity, especially the opposition that's unique to us as primates, but it's getting overly used. And that is it. That creates that um, itis feeling, whether it's tendonitis or just some inflammation. So I totally agree with Kristen that often we sometimes blame a pose or a position or an exercise. And I often say it reveals what is already going on. So I think that you're probably spending a lot more time on your phone, on your devices than you are on your hands handstanding. And I agree, that's, that's an excellent point. That's probably where you're already setting it up and then maybe putting weight on it is bothering it more. But look at the alignment. And yeah, when I'm working on my phone, I really try to consciously change thumbs, do my second finger more, um, change it up as much as possible. I know when I, I feel it the next day, there's an achiness when I've been on my phone and I haven't been alternating enough. And that just to me is like, oops, that's a reminder. I didn't mix it up enough. So excellent point. And I think we all have sides that we bias to. It's like she needs to look up into her scapulae as well. You know, I mean, I know I'm so right-hand dominant and I see it a lot. You see the handstand that's shifted to one side. You know, work on that too. You might be putting, if it's, especially if it's dominant hand, you're, so you're using the dominant hand on your phone, then you're shifting into that dominant scapula, dominant, you know, and so again, that weight comes heavily. So um, look at the, bio, the biomechanics and all that good stuff. Yeah, and that's why we do so much uh, asymmetrical force use stuff like funky dolphin, funky quadruped, because we're really trying to even that natural imbalance off. So if you want to go next level, you could put your dominant hand on a block when you're practicing your handstand. And it's going to load the non-dominant hand um, a lot more. And you won't feel successful at getting up and you might not even get up very far, but you'll start to really register, like to Kristen's point, how much you're probably leaning into that dominant hand. Yeah, it's it's, all of us have it. All of us have it. All right, next question. Jay Atsana, I'm sorry, I'm messing up that. One point or nerve on the right side of my neck is chronically painful. So that's not a ton of information for us. And, you know, as physical therapists, again, we can give you advice, but if you have something that's chronically painful, our recommendation is always to go and get it assessed by a professional in person because, you know, one side of your, it's just not going to, we'd have to look at the whole body. That's the other thing. When you do go to a physical therapist or some kind of specialist, that person can't just look at your neck. They need to look at everything. They need to look at the position of your shoulder, your chest, your spine, your pelvis, uh, because something in your pelvis has can influence all the way up into your neck. So 
that would be the first thing I would say is get it checked out and get the entire posture looked at because that often it's something in your neck is is not going to be the isolated thing. What else would you advise? No, absolutely. I most people that I see who have that chronic same side, it is so similar to what we were just talking about with the last caller. You know, look at your posture, you know, and bring it down to what you're doing throughout the day. If you work from home, how is your computer station set up at work? You know, are you always turned one way a little bit? Or me, I always sit kind of on one hip. I try to go to the other side. So, you know, what can you do to create some symmetry? And then I always say, video yourself. Laura, you do great videos on your Instagram where from behind and you can watch the scapula move. You'll see a lot of stuff revealed by watching yourself. And you might not realize that you're really over-recruiting one side or under-recruiting, which is causing this mechanical dysfunction, which then presents as pain, whether it's nervy or achy. So much can be revealed by watching you move. And so, and you can, we always say, send us those videos too, and we're happy to take a peek for you. But, you know, watch yourself practice, watch your, and then, and then have someone or look at how you're sitting. What are you doing throughout the day? And then yes, mobilize, look at the pelvis, look at the upper back, look at the scapula and try to clear out all that junk if there's any uh, issue. And I wouldn't be surprised if you find a significant amount of relief. Yes. I mean, the nerves are encased in, it's like a, a cord that has insulation and that insulation covering it is fascia. And so if it's bound, it's just restricted, it's going to give you that nerve pain. It'll give you that trigger point sensation. And so that doesn't necessarily mean that it needs to be stretched all the time. Often it needs to be strengthened. Mm-hmm. But the position of your skull is super important. If your skull is off-centered, your poor neck muscles are working all the time to hold the head in, in alignment. Looking at your posture is, is a big thing. So you can always, yeah, like Kristen said, send us a video of you standing, moving, how you're positioned. It'll, we can see a lot with that. Okay, Yoga Marcella, how to use the feet for feedback when finding neutral pelvis triple S? Mm. Hmm. That's a good, oh, it's funny. Good I was question. Just, yeah, it's a great question. And I was doing a private just last week with someone and that was actually, she was wanting me to look at, she was having issues up above. And I said, well, just back away and, you know, let me see you. And, and the first thing I saw was her foot. You know, she had this supinated, supinated on one side, a, a little bit toe out. And uh, I was like, how do your feet feel right now? And she's like, my feet, <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> what do you mean? And so I said, you know, when you go back and watch this video, I want you to look at your foot. And, you know, sometimes you don't, you don't, we don't pay attention to our feet. So you might not be feeling anything through your feet in relation to what is going on with your pelvis. So I would encourage you, if you're curious play around. We have such, we have such good receptors in our feet. That's why we're so pro barefoot walking because we have these, you know, the feet, that ability to tell where we are in space comes largely from our feet because we're bipedal. So play around with your pelvis and see what you close your eyes and what, and put your hand on something so you don't fall over, but you know, and see what you feel in your feet because you will be surprised that you might notice that you're bearing weight through the pinky side on one side or maybe a little dropped on the other. 
and then go into an anterior pelvic tilt, see what changes, go into a posterior pelvic tilt. I wish people could talk to their feet more. And the best way to do that is to take off their shoes and just listen. If we stop, pause, and listen, our body can tell us so much. But a lot of times we don't, we're too busy or we don't take the time. So I, lo- I love this question. What do you think, Laura? I think everything you said, and it just reminded me in terms of listening, it's like when you have your foot in a shoe, I think my brother said this quote, it's like having an earmuff. You know, so in terms of listening, it's very muffled. Maybe you can still feel or hear some of that feedback, but it's super muffled. So yeah, get out of your shoes as much as possible. And then think about like basic kind of feedback. Like a lot of times in yoga, they'll tell you about the four corners. Well, there are no four corners of your foot. Your calcaneus is the largest kind of peg. And then you have the first metatarsal and the fifth metatarsal. So it's a triangle. So are you level in that triangle in your weight bearing? And that usually means that your hip is over your ankle. And if your hip's over your ankle, your pelvis is more likely to be neutral and then the triple S is in effect. But like you were saying, really play around with what is it like when you go into posterior tilt? You'll feel a shift and often it might be back into the heel. Anterior tilt, you're forward more. You might be collapsing into the inner foot. And But you want to just maintain that feeling of those three points on the surface of your feet as being as balanced as possible. And some people will have a natural turnout in their foot because of, of the hip, but a lot of people do it because they have hip tightness. So look at how, you, like you're saying with that woman that was supinated, meaning she's rolling over toward the pinky side, you know, look at how your foot is, is positioned. Is it like when you're positioned in a neutral pelvis, most people should have their feet facing forward. When you start moving in the hip, like in Warrior Two or Half Moon, we talk about this, your foot does not have to stay put forward. That might You might have limited range in your hip that doesn't allow for that. And then to just put your foot there, that would torque on your hip and your knee. So I think that, yeah, feel like really spend time barefoot and experimenting, have a little buoyancy in the knees so you free up that pelvis. And those are all great points. Yeah. All right. Last question. It's a two-part one. Katina AK asks, is it still neutral if your pelvis is neutral in relation to your back? So when running forward motion, the back is leaning forward, but the hips are in line with the back. I hope that makes sense. I think what she's saying is like, do you maintain neutral even when you're like running up, a, walking up a hill, running up a hill, running down a hill? It's all in relation to the trunk. You want to comment on that? I think that's what she's asking. No, I think that's exactly what she's asking too. Um, and my answer is yes, your pelvis should be neutral in relation to your spine. So if your spine is tilted forward because you are walking uphill or running, then your pelvis it's not that it's going to be anteriorly tilted, but it's going to be neutral in space in relation to your spine, which is going to mean your hips may be a little more flexed. So ideally, yes, we want to keep our pelvis in a neutral position relative to the spine. The beauty of the body is we're able to adjust based on different surfaces. So that might be a little different if you are, you know, you might have a, maybe not a tilt to the pelvis, but a change in 
space of how it's sitting, but it still ends up being neutral to the spine, but not neutral to the hip. Does that make sense? I guess. Yeah. Oh, totally. It's just the yeah. hip is flexing. I mean, as, uh, it, what Kristen is saying is imagine you have a backpack on your back and it's really, really tight and it's basically kind of glued to your spine. When you're walking, like when I was hiking, I, I would hike uh, with my family and I would feel that. Like I would, the spine is neutral, the pelvis is neutral, but I'm flexed in my hip. So I'm angling relative to the ground. I'm no longer uh, perpendicular to the ground. I'm coming more to, but I would really recruit my core on all sides of the spine to hold and stabilize the spine and move the hips, move the glute, make the glutes work. Then you can do that for long periods of time and you're not going to have these um, aches and pains because you know, you might, your feet might be sore, but, the, but you know, you're not going to have the low back stuff, the upper back stuff. Cause, and, and this, you don't, so just imagine you have a little backpack, even when you don't, if you start going up a hill, you're moving and your hips are moving you, but your pelvis is neutral and you're and relative to the spine, like you were talking about. So you, it, the problem is if you tip your pelvis, your knees, you can watch the knees. And this is another time, like if you're really into running, video yourself running. This is what we do all the time. Looking at gait tells you so much about that neutral pelvis. If your knee is dropping in, if your femur is internally rotating, um, you, you're probably tipping in the pelvis and then you're losing a lot of energy and control in the hips. And it's going to take, you know, it's going to take a toll on the knees. And that's why it's so important for that neutral pelvis because you're not, you're really stabilizing those glutes well, or you're using your glutes, stabilizing the pelvis well. And then that turnover of your legs is really kind of pure. You know, there's no loss of energy. Also into the lateral legs. Some people hang out over into the lateral, the IT band, and then they get all kinds of, you know, knee injury and hip stuff. But that's also the pelvis is too floppy. It's going side to side really needs to stay, the bowl of the uh, pelvis needs to stay neutral. So the spine's on top of it. And you can use these good old glutes to do their job of moving you forward and stabilizing the femur. So you're not sashaying around. (laughs) (laughs) Sashay, sashay. So this is what really, this is what we're made to do. We are bipedal. We're made to walk a lot. There should be no reason as we age, we don't walk the same amount. The reason a lot of people stop walking the same amount is because of biomechanical errors that have happened for years leading up to it, and it just catches up with them. And then they think, oh, I'm really old. I can't walk the same three or five miles. And it's like, you really should be able to. Your hips are not, they, they have a long expiration date on them. <laughs> so keeping your pelvis neutral really ensures that you're going to keep moving for many, many years. So as always, people keep moving, keep working on on your triple S, working on your posture. It matters, it matters, it matters. It matters for efficiency. It matters for injury prevention. It matters for being able to move in all the ways you want to move, that adaptability for many years. And that's that's the longevity is the key right there. It is the key. It is the key. Even if you're in your 20s, especially if you're in your 20s. You know, I did this little post about, do you wake up in the morning without pain? I could not believe I would say 60% of the people answered, maybe even more than that, saying, no, they wake up in pain. Some of them were in their 20s. Now, if you're in your 20s waking up, the good news is you're young and you can really start doing something about it. The bad news is that's really young to start waking up with you know, pain. Like you 
have got some real imbalances to work on, but it should be a quicker turnaround for that, a quicker fix, so to speak. So that's a pretty good marker is if you're waking up for the most part, I'm not talking about like sleeping a little weird and if you're waking up and you're relatively pain-free, if you're waking up and you have chronic aches and stuff, you have to look at your posture. You have to look at movement. Um, You cannot ignore that. Your body is speaking to you and it's saying, please do something about this because that is not normal to be waking up and having that kind of pain. And I know there's people who have you know, autoimmune diseases in different circumstances, but I'm saying in gen- the general population should be waking up feeling pretty good. Yep. All right. On that note, we're preaching as always, but that's because we love you. Thank you, KB. You're welcome. I love you. I love you. And as always, we are pulling for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.